0: From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc.
1: When my love takes me home it's one of five eight or thirty miles home foot like left nerves like these while red when is taking a wheel.
2: There are a few things sweeter than quiet, enduring and pure love. There are a few things more warming than hearing other people's love stories. Welcome to Love Etc. We're your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald.
0: You're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today we're diving deep into love stories, the conventional and the unusual to explore what real love can look like in 2019.
2: Yep. three women, three love stories, and we're starting with Georgia.
1: We're on love now, and we can't slow down.
2: When Georgia fell in love with Tom on a dating app in 2013, she saw exactly how her life was going to pan out.
3: He was, he was a lovely guy. He was a really nice guy. He was, um, he, he was thoughtful. He was a lot like we had very similar family values. Our families were very similar. My parents got along. Our, we loved each other's families. It was, it was a security thing, I think, as well. I felt very comfortable, and at that stage in my life, I was studying full-time, working full-time, It was nice to have someone to come home to Mm. and to have that person because I just didn't have time in my life for much else.
2: Like so many 19-year-olds do, Georgia and Tom met over two tubs of frozen yogurt in the pouring rain. She was a self-confessed brand snob who admonished his inclination to dress in mismatched active wear, but together they found something pretty special.
3: I always said I was going to marry a teacher. (laughs) So he was a teacher and that ticked the boxes. That was something that I've always said Growing up, I grew up with a mother as a teacher. I wanted someone at home with my kids while I was off being a lawyer for however many. It was that planned and that meticulous, I think, for me in that I have always known what I wanted in my life and exactly how I wanted it. Um, and that's what I wanted. I wanted a teacher. I wanted someone who was going to be home at reasonable hours and then at home in the school holidays. It was it was planned, basically.
2: And life was pretty good. Georgia was studying law Tom was going to become the teacher who ticked all of the boxes. They spent summers at her family's beach house on the boat, living out what we're told young romances should look like, the kind that makes your parents breathe a sigh of relief. And then when Georgia turned 21, they made the decision to move in together.
3: At that point, I was working full time in the city uh, and I was was financially able to do it. And not like a lot of my friends, I had already been working full time for a, a long time. And had the financial means to move out and pay rent. And Tom at the time didn't want to. He was pretty against moving out, didn't want to spend the money. So I got my best friend Tia, and she came along with us so that I could actually afford to move out because she had already been living out of home for six months at the time. And then eventually Tom joined us and lived, it was the three of us. Mm. How was living together? It, ch- it changes the dynamic often in a relationship,
2: particularly yeah. a young relationship.
3: Yeah. Um, living together changed a lot Uh, um, and I think that might have been really where it kind of took a turn um, because I was super busy so was he Um, we really didn't see each other and that was kind of what we thought the the solution was going to be well if we're having trouble fitting each other in around sports and work and everything well maybe if we just live together it'll be fine but then it kind of escalated into well whenever we see each other that's the only time we have to fight (laughs)
2: Tell us about the fights. What was that like? How did the fights normally pan out? What were you fighting about?
3: Everything. It it became a thing. Like my friends would, it it was, we were known that we would fight. And I remember justifying at the time um, to my friends and saying, well, that's just how we are. That's that's the kind of relationship that we have. That's just normal. We love fighting. Mm -hmm. I I remember saying those words to my friends that we, we just, it's like a game for us. That, that we really love this bickering and that's really how our relationship works. And I think I believed it at the time. But my friends definitely, well, I mean, they're more vocal about it now, but at the time they definitely didn't, <laughs> didn't say anything to be like, uh, oh, well, that's not, that's not quite right or that doesn't sound like it, that's very nice for you or, or for either of you. Mm. When you say your friends often saw it, was this fighting when you were out and drinking? Yeah. Yeah, or just at home. Yeah. just at home if, if if I'd have a friend over or which would happen quite often because it was um the two of us uh Tia and I living there we'd have friends over all the time is that he would sit in in our bedroom not talk to friends or he would be quite um uh, withdrawn and then would just be grumpy and walk around and yell and pull me in and have arguments and things like that mm. and it happened at the footy club all the time too when there'd be we'd have Thursday night dinners and he'd stand at the bottom of the stairs and just scream up at me that he was ready to leave. And it wasn't until I joined the footy club that I had friends around me that said, uh, "Excuse me, sorry, what? Um, we can't, we can't put up with that. Are you? Have, is this how your relationship is?" That kind of opened my eyes to go, "Okay, that's that's not on."
2: Did it make you upset for people to say, "Is this what your relationship yeah, is like?"
3: Yeah, very much so because I came in uh, obviously to this new group being the girlfriend of one of the popular senior boys on the team and that was a facade that I was quite happy to um put forward and say so, yeah well I I am this we've lived this perfect life we've he's a teacher I'm a lawyer um we both play footy at the football club like dream story
4: mm-hmm.
0: Tell us now about your decision to join that football club. Like walk us through how that worked. So the football club started a a woman's team? Yeah,
3: yep. So it was in the first year of women's football basically in this league and I had finished studying, so had some spare time, um, which I usually would have just sat at work and worked overtime and overtime and my mum started to get on my back about – being more active because I would always play basketball growing up, and kind of gave away team sports to focus on my career, and I would started doing boot camps and things like that, and just found it really boring. And saw the ad the, about the women's team and thought, "Stop it! I'm going to go down to the first session. Don't know anyone. Don't know any of the girls, and I'll just give it a crack." And Tom was not happy. <laughs> he was not happy that I was there in his space um, with the boys. I think. I don't know whether he was concerned about what I might hear or what might happen, Um, but, yeah, there was, from the beginning, a really big pushback on me playing football.
2: So there you had Tom, a star on the senior men's team, and Georgia, the new recruit to the women's team, playing at the same local footy club. For whatever reason, Tom wasn't stoked about the idea of Georgia joining the club, but she wasn't too phased. For the first time since high school, she was making real friendships with women who had the same interests and hobbies as her. And then Georgia found a connection with someone who wasn't just a friend.
3: It sounds ridiculous, but I, I think I, I saw her before I met her in that really cliche, cliche kind of way. She came down uh, a little bit later than I did, so I'd been at the club for a little bit um, for a few weeks before she did the training session that she came down. She started talking about podcasts and things like that, and, and I was like, who's, who's that? Good um, thinking, well, we have the same interests. You're talking about podcasts that I listen to, and we just had very intermittent conversations. We, we weren't friends. We weren't great mates as I was. I had my group of friends that I'd made at footy already. And it just started that I, I, from that day, literally could not stop thinking about her. I started having dreams about her and it was like nothing I'd ever experienced.
2: Apart from the conversation aspect, were you physically attracted to her? Yes.
3: Yeah, Immediately. What was it about her that you found attractive? I I can't even, uh, I don't even know what it is or what it was. I think it's, it's her presence, I think, more than anything, especially in football because she is so confident because she's a fantastic player. Her leadership and an ability to kind of lead 30 girls at once having come in and not known anyone it was definitely a presence thing more than a a looking at her and being like well she's really sexy
2: georgia had casually dated women in the past before she'd met tom she had experiences with women but always pushed them down and away in her mind a long-term relationship with a man was what made the most sense her sexual attraction to women was just a parenthesis on her dating history
0: what did you do with these thoughts and these feelings with going home to Tom mm. and thinking about another woman that you've started to play football yeah. with? Did you process them? Did you talk about them with anyone? What did you do with all of that?
3: Yeah, so for a little while I just kind of did that push it all down. It'll go away. This is just a kind of little bit of a phase. A girl crush, have had that before. Um, that's not really a big – it's not a big deal. You're fine. This is just – you've come into a new exciting environment. Basically, you've got new friends. I didn't talk to Tom about it. Eventually, it became very apparent that we were becoming quite good friends. I would, for example, Kate was selected to play in the big V, the big Victorian side, uh, which is like the rep side for the league. Um, and I drove to Ballarat on at 6am on a Sunday morning to watch the game. Things like that were happening. And we were, I was talking to Kate. We were, we were messaging quite a bit. So the emotions started pretty
0: quickly. Did you and Kate ever acknowledge it in those moments when you were with Tom that maybe something was there, that the vibe was different? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, Especially on those Thursday night dinners at the footy club, because it's the boys and the girls all in there for team selection. It was that, well, we were always sitting just with the girls, but it was, we'd have the conversation of, well, I can't sit next to you tonight. You sit at that end of the table, I'll sit down. Like nothing had happened, but there was this it was a, kind of a, an acknowledgement from both of us that there was something and that something was wrong and that we had to, to take actions to, to, to not be seen. But even though th- that probably wasn't reality, we were doing that quite early.
2: Were you open with Tom about your bisexuality? No. No, not at all. How did that conversation unfold? Did it ever unfold uh, after the fact?
3: It and The... The, the way it un, f, unfolded, yes, um, was, was not the way that I would have wanted it to. Basically, one uh, Thursday night training session, Tom had basically beat me home and was on my laptop for whatever reason, and my iMessages were on there. It didn't have a name, but just had messages between Kate and I with just back and forth, essentially. Lo- you know, long messages when you first start talking to someone. And I came home and... All, like, he was just screaming, who is he? Who is he? What's going on? And and I had to kind of go, all right, and sit down and tell him what happened and who it was and what the story was and say, look, nothing's happened. This is... I know it's wrong. I'm not going to justify I know I've absolutely stuffed up, but this is where I'm at and I think that we, we can't be together anymore, yeah.
0: So two questions then. Was that the start of the breakup conversation?
3: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: And... How did he respond to learning that it was a woman?
3: Uh, I th- very confused. Um, it was uh, anger and confusion. Um, he was awful um, and I can't blame him for that now given the circumstances, but just really awful comments about her and the person that she is and her appearance and why I would ever want, like, just awful, awful comments. And then I think for a, a long time, Tom was not the most progressive person. And, and that was an issue, I guess, in our relationship as well, is our values were very different on more progressive issues like uh, immigration, same-sex marriage, things like that. So towards that kind of the, the, the pointy end, it did get a little bit homophobic kind of comments. So I can imagine that exploring this connection that you
2: have with a woman while at a footy club, which is traditionally very masculine would be difficult it wouldn't be the setting where it's the most easy to explore that mm. how did you go from breaking up with tom to exploring something with kate when you're in this environment which is so patriarchal
3: yeah i looking back i have no idea how we did it and at the time i i thought i think it was, it was a sense of i don't know an arrogance or an i think i was really naive at the time and i thought it wouldn't be a problem i thought that we could very slowly begin to explore whatever this might be and and that we could do that quietly in inside this football club where we were both on the leadership we were um very involved in social committee committee um involved at higher levels with the president and things like that we we simply didn't see um the, yeah we didn't see it coming the way the way it
0: all panned out so you've broken up with tom you are starting to talk and see Kate. Was it as simple as, okay, I'm single now, I've got these feelings for this woman, let's make this work?
3: Uh, No. So uh, we both, I I think Kate was pushing back a a lot because, fair enough, she's this straight girl from the footy club who's just broken up with her boyfriend. I get why she wanted to steer clear a little bit for a while. But immediately we both had the conversation and said, look, we'll, we'll see what it is very slowly i went back on to dating apps at the as soon as we broke up and was yeah just casually dating women
2: after breaking up in july there was what georgia refers to as an explosion within the football club with her and kate at the very center
3: i'd moved into a share house quite close to the footy ground with a few girls from footy and we were at the club one night i think it was after the reserves grand final And we were all at the footy club drinking and it got to a point where they had to close the rooms. And we invited everyone to come down the road to our place and keep partying, basically. And so we were all there. Um, Tom wasn't there. None of Tom's friends were there. It was mainly just a couple of the other boys, their wives, things like that, and then the girls. And we were sitting out the back uh, around the fire. There was a number of couples, another couple that I lived with who were girls as well. Kate and I and then the girls were just sitting around a fire and all of a sudden this woman comes up to me that I've never seen before in my life and starts screaming at us saying how dare you how could you do this you guys are a disgrace how could you even be sitting here pretending not word for word but just laying into us and saying that what we're doing is disgusting and and I was just in shock because I was like I'm in my own house What? and you're drinking my alcohol What? how dare you come in here and tell me what I should or shouldn't be doing. And that was really the start of it because I basically kicked everyone out of the house and said, this is done, get out. And I was shattered. Yeah, that was the first kickoff. Um, And who was she? Someone's wife. I still don't know to this day who she was. She was a wife of one of the guys at the footy club. Who They'd obviously all been talking about it over in the corner and she's gone, effort, I'll go over there and say something because they were so alarmed by the lesbians around the fire (laughs) from there, the season ends basically. So it fizzles. So not that we go about our life quite normally. Kate and I officially start dating on New Year's Eve. So it's a slow burn up until um, the end of summer. And we come back for pre-season because we, (laughs) we play at this footy club and it was strange from the beginning. Um, the first week, they just kind of, because it was pre season, we were sharing the oval with the boys. We were just down in one pocket. The boys had the rest of the oval. That was pretty stock standard for, for our women's training session. And two weeks into pre season, I got um, a text message from the president of the club, a long winded text message essentially saying, We need to talk about yours and Tom's breakup and how it's going to affect the club and what we're going to do going forward. And I remember getting that and thinking, What? What what could we possibly have to talk about? What would I possibly need to talk to to this 50-something-year-old man about my breakup six months ago? And I say, well, I'm not really interested in having that conversation, but you can text me if you like if you'd want to raise some concerns. Because he wanted to meet up one-on-one and have the conversation and not have it over text message, and that was in that first message. And I wasn't comfortable with that because – I mean, I'm a lawyer. I know when to, <laughs> when to say and not say things. So I said, no, look, if you, if you have something to say, you can text me, you can call me. And he said, oh, no, 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 you've totally got it. All bent out of shape. That's not what I meant. And he calls. And the call basically starts with, well, we're just really concerned about protecting um, yours and Kate's position in the club. And the, the entire narrative then goes on about, well, maybe you sh- you both should step to the back a little bit, not be on the committee, not be so heavily involved, because I fear if you um, at the door at a social event or um, front facing in any way that you 're going to receive backlash from the club or the outer community but yeah it wasn 't really clear to me, and obviously he didn 't say because you 're gay, we would like you to step into the background it was It was all for my protection, it was all for our protection from the mean boys. And basically, uh, ended that conversation. I said, "No worries. I will. I'll take a back step. I just want to play footy. I don't want to. I'm not here for the drama. If that's what you guys want, no problem. We'll step, take a step back. I wish I said other things in that phone call, but at the time, I was just, I was in shock. So the next day, we decided to make a phone call to the association. Kate had had a relationship with them quite closely because she'd played representative. And we just voiced our concerns to the the GM of women's football and said, well, this doesn't seem right to us, but we're just going to let you know what's happening. And later that day, Kate gets the the phone call from the president going off at her saying, how dare you um, contact the association? This was a private conversation between Georgia and I that should never have uh, been. And Kate said, we live together. (laughs) I heard the conversation. I was right next to her. Yeah, that kicked off from then. He was ropeable. So that phone call happens. Um, we basically decide, well, we can't play there anymore. Um, they uh, kind of fall on their sword two weeks later and say, oh, we'd really like you to come back. And if you'd really like to be on the committee, we'd give, give you back your spot, essentially. But we'd like you to essentially, what he said is, we'd like you to stop telling people about the way that this has all gone down because we think that you're driving players away and basically blamed us for the lack of retention in women's football. <laughs> it was at that point that I said, well, no, I'm going to go elsewhere. And Kate and I went down the road to, to another club, didn't really tell anyone, didn't advertise it at all, told a small group of our friends that that was our plan. Um, and because of, I guess, the, the leaders that we were in that team, a lot of those girls came with us, which meant that the old club ceased to have a women's team which was really sad, but at the same time, I'm really glad that no other women will have to go through that experience because women's football, I guess, before 2016, 2017, was a place for gay women. It was, there was the maybe a scattered with a couple of straight girls, but for a lot of, um, and this is not my experience, but for Kate and a lot of those girls who have grown up in that kind of environment, to then be, plopped in with the boys and have what was your space no longer it was really hard and I don't I don't think they deserved to have a women's team going forward. But when they officially had to withdraw, the president then took to Facebook to write a Facebook status on the Facebook page, essentially saying that two influential players had left and taken the women's team with them and that it was all about miscommunication and that we didn't listen to them and then unfortunately they won't have a women's team because of those two girls.
0: Talk to me about your relationship with Kate during this time when you feel like kind of the whole world is against you. Mm. How did that bring you together and what was your relationship like in those moments? Yeah
3: I, I think that's I think what we went through uh, is half the reason why um our relationship accelerated as it has because within i mean less than a year, 6 months really we've had every single external pressure a relationship could even begin to to think about we had to make plans on what what kind of things well, what, what was our story what did we want to tell people what were because people were asking people were everyone was talking about us and we just thought it was the most boring story in the world. We were just kind of just getting to know each other. But all of the drama definitely brought us a lot closer together.
0: What did you learn about her in that time and what did you decide that you really loved about her?
3: That I think sometimes I I struggle a lot backing myself and talking about myself. Um, I mean, I advocate for a living, but as soon as I have to do it for me, I struggle big time. And she just did it. For me, at every point that we had questions from from people, or that messages or rude messages from boys at the club or externally, it would be her that she'd go into bat for me immediately. And she continues to do that to this day. Whenever we have, whenever anything comes up, she's the first one to go. Right, no emotion whatsoever, just practical. And I really need that. And and she does that for me. What do you love about your relationship with Kate? I think that we we are. Uh, Pol- not polar opposites, but we are very different. But in a way that we basically fill each other's gaps. I am terrible with money. I spend money like it's going out of fashion, um, and uh, she's the best saver in the world. So great, you can have all of the money. Give me an allowance, um, and she's yeah, she's just. It is. A, it, it's a best friendship. It is the one person that knows every single thing about me. Yet still. Rocks up home every single day,
2: yeah. So, eighteen months later, Georgia and Kate now live together and have a dog. This year, they went on a trip around America, and while there, Kate got down on one knee.
3: I think it's just the thing with women. We, I've, I've planned my life, and so had she. And we've gotten to the point where well, the next step was to get engaged. And we're both in secure employment, and both want to have a family. So, what are we waiting for, basically? And it was as planned and as meticulous as that is that. Why not here? Because if we're going to buy a house, we're not going to be coming back on this trip of a lifetime anytime soon. Um, So she proposed in Columbus, Ohio, in the middle of nowhere, uh, without a ring. But I then wanted a turn. And then it was just there was about six in total by the end of it, whenever we were in the most random places across
0: America. Tell me what excites you about your life with Kate.
3: The thing that excites me the most about um, my future with Kate is that it's a new realization, I guess, that I can basically do whatever I want. There is no—I I used to be so contained with and, and contained and, and quite happy to be to lead quite a mediocre existence, as long as I was kind of ticking over the days, that was fine. But now it is—it's—it's it's a realization that life is amazing and we can do anything that we want and that she'll support me in whatever I choose to do whether that's I mean the other day was if you choose not to be a lawyer tomorrow that's fine we'll do we'll cope and we'll do whatever we want it's it's less less structured and less planned it's yes we still want the family we still want this but everything else is going to fall into place around it because yeah if we've got each other that's basically all we need I've gone like a a complete 180 from whatever I thought I I was supposed to be, the 18-year-old, size 6, blonde hair, long extensions, doing promo modeling, working at Nike, wearing all pink, driving a Volkswagen Beetle convertible, to not whatever the complete opposite of that is. Yeah.
0: Coming up on the show, a story about love when it's placed upon you. But first, it's time for a Bumble Break. Zara, given the theme of this week's episode is love, we wanted this Bumble Break to be a little bit different. We absolutely did. We wanted to hear from a woman who said Bumble changed her life. So, here's Jackie. Tell me why you swiped on Caleb to sell.
1: Um, I loved his picture, which I think, I don't know, most of us swipe for that reason. But um, he was... He was dressed really nicely with a few of his friends, and I thought he was really handsome, and he is still really handsome. Oh, what was your opening line? Um, so I said, hey, what are you up to without a question mark, like the worst possible <laughs> opener you could have. No, I've no, cried. But he responded um, kind of funny and sarcastic because he quickly found out I was from New York and he said is it too early to ask for marriage which I find it's funny now that we've been together like almost three years that that was his opening line (laughs) and you were here on holiday yeah I was here for about four weeks I was taking a class for uni undergrad and I met him about two weeks before I went home how many dates did you go on in those two weeks four dates oh my goodness and And then what happened I moved back home and the, we were talking every day and then eventually we realized like three months later that not a day had passed that we hadn't talked and we were kind of joking around and we we're like, do you want to go on holiday together? So we decided to meet in the Philippines for our fifth date. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the, on the holiday, I like, it was like really clear that we care a lot about each other. And we're both super logical. So even though it was like really romantic and perfect and everything, we're like, we still can't be together because we live um, on different continents and neither of us had really any intention of moving. So we were like, we'll keep playing it by ear. And we continued talking every day. And I was graduating undergrad and I decided to apply for my master's here. And then basically, as soon as I got accepted, that's when we like made it official. And then I just moved here and that was it. So when did you move here? How long was it after you first met? Um, it would have been close to two years. What? Like, yeah. It would have been like I guess a year and a half. We moved right in together. So we got lucky that it actually worked. Wow. And can you tell me what you love about it, Caleb? Um, he's really honest, dedicated, hard working. He like puts so much effort into everything he does, like whether it's sport, work family, friends, and um, he's really, really funny and really cute, too. It helps. Oh, thank God you both slapped right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like, I actually say it, like, as a joke all the time, that, like, Bumble saved my life. Not because of him, but I moved here and I had no friends, so I was used, I used Bumble BFF too, and I met, like, two of my closest friends on there as well. Bumble has provided all of my relationships, so I'd be, like, really <laughs> happy. <laughs>
4: You're indebted to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Hannah is a 23-year-old Muslim Australian woman who lives in Melbourne. She's currently studying her PhD with the intention of becoming a psychologist. In April this year, she got married. Her parents decided who she'd be meeting at the altar.
2: Arranged marriage is just the way things are done in Hannah's family. They're originally from Pakistan, and growing up, she'd regularly visit her home country to attend the weddings of her cousins. Hannah always knew an arranged marriage would be part of her future. Her sister even moved back to Pakistan to be married to her arranged husband. All of this meant her experience towards dating was pretty far removed from the average Australian teenager.
4: For the most part, you know, I mean, I, I made friends with guys, but I tried to kind of keep my feelings um, in the back of my mind. So even if I did like someone, I would not act on my feelings. And if someone liked me back, um, then I would just tell them, you know, how it was and uh, what kind of future I was expected to have. And then it would just kind of fizzle out there. <laughs>
0: Even if she wanted to, Hannah says, she could never and would never bring a boy home when she was younger. It just wasn't how things worked in her home or in her culture.
4: I I did test the waters for a little bit in high school, just, you know, dating for maybe a week or two. And then I was like, no, it's not going to work out that way. Um, And, you know, it's nothing that I could keep up in the long term. So I just kind of, by the time I got to uni, I was kind of just um, avoiding having relationships like that at all.
0: So when Hannah was in her early 20s and had finished her bachelor degree, her parents began a conversation with her. It was time to get married.
4: It depends a lot on your family, which family you come from and how conservative or traditional they are. My family's quite traditional. Um, so I think when I mean my cousins have gotten married really young, you know. My the youngest age that I know of is 17. And that was that's in Pakistan, so it's a very different kind of you know world over there. Um, but I think when I turned maybe twenty-one, my parents almost you know they started keeping an eye out for people and just you know forming connections and thinking you know it, we could consider this possibility. Um, and then when I graduated, when I finished my bachelor's degree, my mum I think actively started looking. <laughs> So I think early twenties and then um if you're a bit more liberal you would look at, you know, mid to late twenties for a girl.
2: What would the reaction had have been if you had come home one day and said Mum and Dad I have a boyfriend?
4: Ah it wouldn't have been good. <laughs>
2: they would have said nope, absolutely not.
4: Um I think uh, here my mum might have been more considerate. They the first kind of criteria that um my parents would have is, you know, the, the guy has to be from the same religion. Um, and then they would actually maybe uh, start considering who he is, what he's like, what kind of family he's from. Um, so they would want to meet him, of course, and then get to know more about him. But if I said, you know, straight up that I have a boyfriend, their first reaction would be panic.
0: Was your sister, how did she speak about the experience? Was that quite influential for you and how you considered it?
4: Um no, I mean, you know, the thing with my family is we don't really communicate our feelings very well. Um, and my sister did talk to me about it. She, her situation was, I think, a bit more in the extreme end because she had to move overseas to get married. She doesn't live here anymore. She's actually moved back to Pakistan um, and she's happy in her life. She actually likes her way more over there than she did over here. Um, but I don't know. I mean, she is very happy with her husband and she was ever since she got married. So that was kind of like a a positive thing for me because it made me uh, think a bit more in an optimistic way about arranged marriage because I saw a good outcome. And I saw, you know, there are good possibilities with this as well. Hannah
0: says when it comes to getting married in her culture, there's a pretty set and defined process around how that happens.
4: So with my sister, it was quite easy because we'd known her, uh, who's her husband now, we'd known him since we were kids. So we knew exactly what kind of person he was. We knew his parents, we knew his, uh, the rest of his family and everyone he knew. Um, so when um, they sent through a proposal, it's quite a formal thing. The parents sent through a proposal, then your parents get, you know, background information on the guy. Is that like a letter? It's not a letter. It's actually a phone call. So they come over, uh, the family of the groom, they come over to your house, the parents uh, get to talking and getting to know each other and then they can just do background checks through other people and then um, if the groom's family likes the girl and her family, they send through a proposal. And then the girl, it's the girl side um, who does the background checks and they might uh, visit the groom at his house and then they make a decision and they get back to the groom.
0: Hannah did have a bit of bargaining power in this process though. She says she turned down a least four different prospective grooms before she settled on one she could imagine growing old with?
4: I've had a few. I think we've, um, we turned down four before we actually said yes to someone. <laughs> so for my sister, it was funny because we um, said yes to the first one because we knew that he was such a good guy. With me, you know, it was quite a bit of trial and error. Like we didn't know um, any of the people who came through except for maybe one. Um, and we just, you know, didn't think that we would get along very well. You know, it's funny, um, with arranged marriages, a lot of it comes to what you think about the guy's family. So it's the first um, step or the first round almost is whether your families get along, you know, whether your backgrounds match, whether you think you're on the same page, have the same values and the same mindsets. And then after that, you know, if you've passed round one, then you try and figure out whether the guy and the girl are on the same page and whether they would get along. So the family is the first thing and then you move on to the individuals who are actually going to get married.
0: Hannah was acutely aware though through this process that the pool of men in Melbourne who were looking for an arranged marriage too was smaller, particularly when she was then looking for someone like-minded, someone who was interested in career as much as family.
4: The pool is quite small, um, at least the one that we came across. I mean there are you know, there are almost uh, these professional matchmakers. There are these ladies who do this for a living where they try and match, you know, a girl with a guy. So they, they hear from different connections and they, they pass on information to another family. They're like, oh, uh, we think uh, this family might be suited to your family. And then why don't you guys arrange a meeting and get together? Um, but the pool is quite small, I would say, especially when you are looking for someone who's got a similar mindset to you and who you think you'll be compatible with um so that's why you know like it was just difficult to make a decision because especially if you don't know the person very well I mean all of these guys that I uh could potentially be set up with I didn't know any of them beforehand um and so it's really it's quite a difficult process
0: It's a funny thing, she says, looking back and analysing who got more say on who she married. Her parents' input was crucial, she said, but her word was final.
2: Did you get more say in what man was eventually chosen or did your parents get more
4: say? I think what my parents said was very influential and I'm the kind of person who um, gets indecisive very easily. I got like five men to
2: choose from. It would be a little bit tricky. You're like the bachelorette.
4: (laughs) (laughs) They happen at different times, luckily. So it was easier. But when I actually met my my husband, uh, at the same time, we had another proposal that had come through. So it was almost like choose between the two. So, you know, when I first um, chose him, it was more like I chose the one that I hated less. It was almost like that. Um, And yeah, my parents said, you know, we like this guy more and his family and um, make a decision. But, you know, my decision wasn't very informed because I didn't know this person very well. So it was more like, you know, what kind of vibes am I getting? And then I just said yes, based on that.
0: Last year in her family home with her parents by her side, Hannah met Zach for the very first time.
4: So my first meeting with Zach wasn't the best one. Uh, It was actually in this room. Over here Uh, we had dinner together so it was his family with my family and we had um, another family here who had actually connected our families very formal which makes it even worse because i was actually sitting on one end of the room and he was sitting on the other end and so it was basically a conversation between our families and they were just you know making small talk commenting on the food and both of us were just sitting there fuming that they're not letting us sit together, have a conversation, ask each other questions or anything like that. They were talking about the food. Um, And that's how the entire night went. We didn't exchange a single word. Maybe it was a little bit of eye contact, but nothing more than that. Um, So his family left and then my mum called me to her room and she's like, how did that go? And I'm like, how how do you think? You know, we didn't have a chat and I knew nothing about him at that point. Um, So it didn't go that well. I don't base attraction, uh, you know, on physical appearance or anything like that. I really need to get to know someone before I start feeling any sort of attraction. So I I didn't feel attracted to him. After that, what happened was that um, he actually spoke to his parents. He had been even more annoyed than me. And he said that it's not fair, especially for me, that I don't get to ask him what I need to uh, before I get to make a decision. Uh, so he wanted to have another meeting, and this time we met at our family friend's house, who had connected us. Uh, we just had, you know, a very informal conversation, and I had actually made a list of questions to ask him when I went there. I didn't get to ask him any of them because he was just ranting about some some argument he'd had at work um, with his boss. So <laughs> we just had an informal conversation, but I think that was, you know, it was a good start because it uh, made me realise that we were getting along quite well Um, and then after that you know we just uh, tried to find out a little bit more about him from other people, from his relatives, from other family friends and then we uh, made the decision.
0: Hannah's values were and are of crucial importance to her. She knew if she was marrying someone he had to be supportive of her career, of her desire to work and her desire to study. These were the questions she had intended to put to him that night.
4: So the questions that are important to me are about um, what kinds of uh, values he has. So I think uh, one uh, thing that I was really concerned about uh, in general about getting married was that a lot of men from my culture have very uh, chauvinistic views. They have very fixed ideas of gender roles and things like that. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of men who don't like their wives to work, for example, or um, you know, get out of the house much. I was very kind of career oriented. I wanted to get my degree done, um, do a PhD and then, you know, eventually be a psychologist. Um, So it was really important for me to find out what, you know, how he would feel about that before I make a decision. Because it's not fair on him if he has certain beliefs and I, uh, I don't have the same ones. So I wanted to ask him, you know, how he feels about me working, about me studying and um, what he expects from a wife as well. Like what, what um, he thinks about the whole notion of marriage as well. Um, and I think that was the main thing. And I also wanted to ask him about his goals just to find out a little bit more about him. You know, that's the thing. I mean, with the other proposal that was on the line, I, it was, I just had to make a decision. And so when I said yes to him, I still had that at the back of my mind that I didn't get to ask him those questions. But eventually I did get around to asking them and finding out more about how he thinks. So that was
0: after you'd already decided to marry him. That was,
4: yeah, that was after our engagement, actually.
0: So Hannah decides Zach is the one she wants to marry. But how in the world does she actually tell him that?
4: He luckily added me on Facebook and that's where our chat began and then he got my number and then we got around to calling each other and then we uh, actually started taking the train to work together and then we just started meeting up regularly. His parents are very chill. They were happy for us to meet um, before we got married and just go out for dinner and stuff like that. Um, My parents were not. They uh, really restricted our meetings and they obviously wouldn't let us meet uh, without uh, them being present. And if if they were present and we were to meet, we wouldn't really be able to talk. So it was it was quite restricted. So we made that decision to kind of meet outside, um, outside the house, and you know in their absence and without their knowledge. It ties back to religion. So um, in my religion, you're actually not even allowed to date uh, before you get married, just because. Um, uh, the according to my religion, you know, the relationship between a man and a woman uh, is only legitimate if they are married or if they are blood relatives. So uh, that's the reason that my parents didn't want us to meet beforehand, because they just thought, you know, before uh, if we're not married, Our relationship isn't legitimate, so it needs to be supervised. I felt like I was sneaking around and um, my husband was actually like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be feeling bad about this. Like, we're engaged, we're about to get married, we need to know each other or you're just going to panic in time for the wedding. (laughs)
0: In the lead up to the wedding Hannah wasn't actually meant to see Zach but she liked his company a lot so without her parents knowledge she began sneaking out to catch up with him.
4: The first time we actually started meeting uh, together was on the train to work. We just somehow he, he'd gotten a new job right after the engagement um, and I asked him what his train times were and they actually lined up perfectly with mine so I was like why don't we catch the train together to work so initially you know it was a little bit awkward because it's almost like that the start of the dating process you know you kind of getting to know each other and you're, you're like touching hands and stuff like that, but it's very kind of, you know, almost like high school. Um, so those were cute, um, but, you know, it was still very, very new. And then uh, after after that, I actually started to uh, just go to his place every now and then for breakfast or sometimes for lunch because um, he was working from home a lot of the time uh, so I think that's when we really started to get to know each other and uh, we became really comfortable, obviously, because I, w- I was at his place and I'm living there now as well. Um, so having that time, I think, really, really helped because I just feel so much more comfortable with him. I know how he lives and what kind of person he is. I think when you see someone at home, it makes a huge difference as well. Um, so, yeah, it was really good. You know, the more I got to know him, the more um, relieved I felt because I was really uh, panicking, you know, when I first got engaged and I just felt reassured uh, the more I met him that he was the right person to be with. He pleasantly surprised me because he was a lot more open than I thought. Um, So I just can't imagine someone better to be with.
0: For Hannah, the process of falling in love was a little different. Instead of falling in love and getting engaged, Hannah got engaged and then very slowly started to fall in love.
4: Um, It was last year, at the end of last year, and... I don't know. I mean, I don't remember the details, but it was just it was at his place, I'm quite sure. And it was nice, because he said it first, and then it took me a while to say it back. I actually didn't say it back on the same day, um, especially because I'm really kind of restricted with my feelings and my communication and all of that. Uh, but I did eventually get back to him. <laughs> we were speaking on the phone every night for, I would say, three hours. So my mum knew that was happening. So she probably thought, you know, the reason I'm so comfortable with him is because we're on the phone all the time. Um, I don't know if she could guess. But you know the thing with um, the actual organising of the wedding that was done by our parents for the most part. Um, So we didn't have to worry too much about it, um, but it was still stressful. Um, But by the time the wedding came around and it happened, you know, both of us were just having a really good time, which was good.
0: Her uni friends, she says, who were born and raised in Melbourne were intrigued by the fact their friend was getting married and that it was arranged.
4: Because none of them are from the same kind of culture as me. A lot of them were born and raised here. So they were all uh, intrigued. Uh, They did ask a lot of questions about, you know, what arranged marriage is like and what's he like and all of that. At first they thought that I I knew him beforehand and then I had to really clarify that for them. And I think that's something which takes a bit of time and that's why I'm reluctant to tell um, people about my culture because it's just such a long story and I'm not sure if they would... Uh, understand it or if they would be okay with it but you know my friends were really supportive they were really understanding and they were just you know curious about it. In my case I think I was lucky uh, because my friends a lot of the time they had a very open stance they weren't coming with like assumptions they uh, asked their questions really politely Um, so they didn't sound judgmental at any point and they just let me do the talking for the most part which was good. I think arranged marriage is very multifaceted, it could be a really good thing, it could also be a really bad thing. One thing I regret is not um, speaking up, I think I just said yes. and. Uh, I didn't get enough information about the person that I was going to marry. In my case, I was very lucky because he exceeded all my expectations, but it doesn't always have to be that way. So if any any girl is in my situation, I would just say, um, try and found, find out as much as you can. If you have any concerns, just um, erase them early on before you make a decision, and then hopefully it'll turn out well for you. My religion doesn't actually uh, forbid divorce. So if, you know, you're in a situation where you feel like you're just not compatible or things are irresolvable, then just do it. You know, I mean, people will always disapprove no matter what culture you're in. So if you feel like something just can't be resolved, then, you know, just exit.
0: Today, Hannah is still studying her PhD, something she needed a man to be supportive of, and lives in Melbourne with her now husband, Zach.
2: And what are the things that you love most about Zach now?
4: Um, I think he's very caring, very affectionate, and I, being someone who's not so affectionate and does not let out emotions very easily, I think it's what I needed as well, and um, that way I've become a little bit more affectionate as well. So I think that's the thing that I love the most about him.
0: Some of the best love stories blossom in places you didn't realise you were even looking. Here's Chloe.
5: So I grew up in Melbourne until the age of nine and then we decided that we were going to have a country change and we moved to this tiny country town called Bonalla. It's in northeast Victoria. It's 10,000 people. It's tiny. Um, Because my mum got a job as a vice principal. So we moved up there. It was myself and my little brother and she was pregnant at the time with my little sister And the first – I think it was the first night we were there, we went to a teacher party, which is a very common thing to do when your parents are teachers. And it was at my auntie's house, who was a teacher, and all the teachers from the only school were there and their children – and I remember just instantly being involved with the kids and we were playing Murder in the Dark and that's when I met Pat, who was also nine years old. So Chloe was nine and in year three and had met a boy called Pat who
0: became her fast friend. They were the kids of teachers and so they always found themselves waiting
5: together for their parents after school had finished for the day. So... Because I was at such a small school, in such a small town, everyone was kind of friends and because we were both teachers' kids as well, you just become friends because you're always there after school at 3.30 waiting for your mum to finish up. So we, yeah, we were good friends Um, and then in Grade 6 we started dating, which was extremely serious and he would pick me as the vice captain of his cricket team at lunchtime, all the important things, you know, we held hands once, invited me around to the pool, you know, things like that that we went to high school which is literally across the road into year seven and we broke up and I couldn't even tell you why we broke up but we broke up after the whole six months but we remained good friends for the whole of high school
0: it's funny, Chloe says, having a good friend who is a boy in those early tween years there's awkwardness there, and people are watching, but you're still so
5: close. We weren't probably the best of friends in that time. We were still very good friends, but we're at a we're in a tiny school we we're at a year level of forty, so all the boys and girls were friends, so we we were friends, but we weren't best friends, but we always kind of had a understanding that you know that from the age of I think 14 that we would be each other's dead partners when we got to 17 and things like that so there was just this understanding that we were both each other's really good friend but still in separate like girl boy groups if Mm. that makes sense
0: their childhood together was a quiet country one they would go to the local bakery and get milkshakes together walk to school together over morning and eventually when Chloe got her license they would drive to school every day together in that time too they dated other
5: people. So we did both have um, relationships growing up. Um, me, so more than him. I had a few long-term high school boyfriends and things like that. I think at that stage for me, I was I I knew that he was my best friend, and and that was kind of as far as my mind would take me at that age and he remained my best friend through those like like through those relationships and breakups as well and vice versa like he's when his first long-term relationship happened I was still his best friend um and it was always a conversation between the both of us that we would never date anyone that was jealous of of our friendship you know because that's that's so important to us and it just we wouldn't we wouldn't allow ourselves to date someone that would be jealous of that and question that.
0: But while their families asked questions and the two grew close, a romantic relationship with Pat was never on the cards for Chloe. I mean, for one, she wasn't even attracted to him like that.
5: Through the milestones of my life, he like has always been there and just stuck around. And my mum was just saying to me before, like, he just stuck around, you know? And I was like, yeah, he did. Like, we both knew that this was just a fantastic friendship, um, if nothing else, and and our friendship group, so come from the same friendship group, and our families, and I guess everyone around us always were throwing uh, comments here and there around. You know, why weren't we together? You know, when are we going to get together? Do you love him? Does do does you he love her? Like that kind of thing. As a teenager, no, I didn't feel a physical attraction to him. I definitely felt an emotional attraction to him, um, like an intellectual attachment, to, attraction to him, sorry, but not physically. I thought he was super cute. And I definitely, like in primary school, I definitely was attracted to him because he was he's, he's loud and he's funny. And so he's definitely like the class, class clown, I think, probably growing up he was. And so I was definitely attracted to his personality um, above everything else.
0: Of course, you're probably thinking in this scenario, what about respective partners? Was there, I don't know, jealousy? Chloe says it came and it went.
5: The girls that he dated, I don't believe saw me as a threat. Pat and I were qu- are quite uh, vocal in ensuring that our like respective partners – knew like that we were best friends and then that was it and that you know you kind of just gonna have to put up with it because we still do catch up you know once a week whatever it is and that's it kind of thing and if you don't trust us then that's you know that's fine but that's your opinion kind of thing so I don't think anyone was ever threatened by me and I and vice versa I don't believe any of my partners were ever threatened by him I think the longevity of our friendship probably and assisted with that as well. So when we were dating people in our like early 20s and things like that, knowing that we'd been like f- best friends for I don't know, 15 years before that, I think really helped and it wasn't as strange as maybe if we'd just been best friends for a couple of years. Once I moved away from Benalla to Melbourne, I moved when I was 19 and Pat remained in Benalla working full-time and I moved down to college and uni, there definitely was um, at the back of my mind this it's not, it's, it's when it's, it was a question of like when it was um, going to happen. It wasn't if I knew that I wanted to date him at some point and give it a go because you know, that many years of friendship is a fantastic foundation for a relationship. Like I'm not dumb. So just to give it a go and to see if it worked, like that was definitely on my mind. But I knew that if it was going to work, I would have to be 100% invested and know and not give it like a half-ass shot. I wanted to give it my everything, and that kind of scared the shit out of me because if it worked, then that was it. Like I was getting married and having children, and I wasn't ready to do that at the age of 20. And that's just how my brain kind of worked. So I was like, I can't, I can't go down that path just yet. I need to experience life a bit more by myself and and experience like living in Melbourne and things like that before I even let that thought filter into the front of my mind. Okay, so
0: how do you have feelings for somebody at 19 or 20, think that you might end up with them, but then go on to date other people regardless?
5: Yeah, I think dating other people at that time, I knew that that they weren't Pat, if that makes sense. Like I knew that they weren't going to be forever. But in saying that, I was always hopeful. Like I'm an extreme optimist. So if I did start dating someone, i put everything into it. Um, but... I think for me it was maybe getting a bit of an understanding about what is out there, and so if so that when I did open up to Pat and tell him that I you know potentially wanted to start dating him, if that's how he, what he wanted as well, eventually that I was like totally sure um, and totally happy with. Um, with my experiences leading up to that and like my dating life up to that. I was quite coming from a small country town. You see so many people date in high school and they settle down really quickly and build a house and, um, and go on that life trajectory. And I was just so not wanting to conform to that like linear way of living. And I just wanted to experience all these other ways of living and traveling overseas and, you know, moving to Melbourne into a uni by myself and things like that away from my friendship group and just to have those experiences. And so I was really scared that if I was to date Pat at that time, I'd be conforming to that trajectory, which I, which is fine for people that want to do that. But that just isn't what what I wanted to do. For Chloe, things changed
0: in her twenties. Thoughts of missing the boat, a rising anxiety that Pat could find someone while she
5: decided to buy some time started festering. So when Pat started dating new people, um, or well, there was a new girl on the scene when we were in our twenties, um, or even up until recently, really, I was extremely jealous. And I, that thought about missing the boat definitely came into my mind. I and mean, one of my really good friends, who's his really good friend as well, um, told me one time, probably you can't just like have him hanging on a leash in the background. Like if you, if you want to go for it, you have to go for it. You know, he's not going to be around forever. And I was like, Oh shit, like he's not going to be around forever. And The older we grew, and he's turned into this handsome man now, and he's beautiful. And so, you know, girls flocking to him. And I definitely, it definitely made me anxious. And I was like, oh shit, maybe, you know, I need to jump on this sooner than I thought. But in saying that, I kind of thought if he did get serious with someone, I would just tell him and probably ruin that. I don't know. Like, I just, that's extremely selfish of me, but I would just have had to have jumped in at that point. But luckily, I didn't, that didn't happen. I always, I always had a hinge that Pat, um, did want to date, like pursue a relationship with me as we were older, whether or not he was, um, like constantly in love with me. I'm not sure. Everyone else always told me that he was. So I guess I was kind of just going off that. Um, but I did speak to him about this and all of this, and he, um, was content with the fact that we potentially just could be best friends forever and that was okay with him and I kind of felt the same way as well like if if it wasn't going if we did start dating and it wasn't going to work that we would hopefully just continue to be best friends and then that was okay or if I didn't ever feel the urge to say something that I'd be content with him just being my best friend but obviously I felt the urge at some point to say something so yeah I always thought that he well he stuck around I guess is this probably and I yeah and I don't know I don't know why so that's probably why
0: and then in September of last year, at the age of 26, Chloe was overcome with a feeling that she needed to speak and
5: she needed to do it right then and right there. September last year, was 26, I just had this overwhelming feeling that I had to say something to him about – and I didn't know what I was going to say. I just knew that I had to say something and bring up the conversation. Um And so we were out at a flight facilities gig and I was very drunk, as you do. And I kind of put him aside and I said to him, at some stage soon, can we talk about us? And he looked at me and he said, well, not right now. And And I looked at him and said, well, obviously it's not the right time. And so we agreed to go out for dinner and a movie um, the following Sunday, which we, that which is very normal for us. Like, we would always go out for dinner and movies. And we were sitting down for dinner and he said... We're doing small talk, small talk, and I'm about to vomit. And he said, Chloe, like, what did you want to talk to me about? And I said, you're an asshole." in my mind. Like, how dare you bring this up and put me on the spot? And it's probably the bravest thing I've ever done. I just said to him, look, I have no idea what this is going to be. I, I'm i so scared. Like, I'm about to vomit right now, but I want to talk to you about potentially dating and, like, and seeing where this goes. And I know that if we do this, it has to be, like, 100% in. Like, I'm not giving this a half ass go, but I feel like I'm ready to do that at this point. You know, what do you think, kind of thing. And he he was – his, his response was kind of strange, but I kind of understand where he was coming from. So his response was – because my dad passed away about a year before this and he was like pivotal in supporting me through that and Pat said um oh is this is this because like your dad's gone now and and you kind of feel like you want to like settle down or you you need you want like a man around and I was I was like oh hell no (laughs) like like how dare you bring that up (laughs) I was like no makes you say that you know I was quite defensive at that comment but upon reflection I kind of understand where he's coming from. But he he felt the exact same way. He was like, I'm shit scared. Like, I don't know what this is going to be. Um, you know, but if this works, like, we're getting married. And I was like, I know. Um, and, yeah, so we decided then and there just to give it a go and keep it on the down low. So going from a platonic relationship to a sexual relationship was my worst nightmare. Um, I was... I knew that I wanted to emotionally invest in a relationship with him, I was 100% clear that it was the right time, and that you know I was I was fully invested. But the idea of kissing him and and not feeling that you know the flutters, like made me so ill. And that because that was a potential that could happen because we'd never kissed before of our 17 years of you know drunken parties and all of that. Never not one drunk hookup, nothing. So. Uh, yeah I was shit scared so we we had the conversation on a Sunday we'd planned to catch up the following Saturday and I um, was probably had the most sleepless week of my entire life I was so scared that when we eventually did kiss that I wouldn't feel anything or he wouldn't feel anything and what did that mean and can you grow on that or build on that I don't know I had all these questions running through my mind and then well came time to kiss so our first kiss, um, we went out for drinks with one of our friends, um, who had just found out who was Pat's housemate. And we, he just found out that we two were give, we were giving it a go. We were keeping it secret to most of our friends, but because it was a housemate, we thought it was probably respectful, but he knew why I was sleeping over more often. Cause we, st- I still did sleep over sometimes, but in a platonic way if that if that's possible. Um, and he just went absolutely crazy and he just could not believe it. And he's like, he was like was crying and he's like, I'm just so happy for you guys. So we got drunk and I'm thinking, this is it. Like I've got a liquid courage, like I've just got to kiss him. So we like hop into bed and we're just staring at each other and talking about, you know, our friend Tim's reaction to us all and I'm just like, just do it, Chloe, do it, do it, do it, just like give a little kiss and we like gave a little peck And then that was it. Like we just fell asleep and I was, and that was like, that was fine. I think that's all that I kind of needed to then go to the next level and have a full on pouch, Um, which then just came very naturally after that. It was just that initial like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm still here. He's still here. We still want to do this. Okay. Yep. I can do this. Being friends for so long. Definitely. I loved him and he loved me. Definitely. That was extremely, we would tell each other that. I think Pat told me that he loved me quite early on. I feel like it was like three weeks in or four weeks in or something and I was like, whoa, man, like if this was anyone else, it'd be so weird. But I totally get where you're coming from and I love you too. It was this instant I really struggled to describe it and trying to tell my friends um, who were quite not worried. They knew that we were going to get together and they were so excited but just interested to see kind of how it progressed. Just trying to tell people that I was like, madly fully in love with this person and and this is it and I'm, this is the end game and I'm so happy and I can't think of anyone else that I would want to like spend the rest of my life with. And knowing that in like three weeks is unreal and bizarre and scary and weird. Like, it's just, you don't hear of that, that, well, I didn't think it was possible. No, you know, when people say that they like, they just knew I don't kind of believe that, but now I kind of do.
0: (laughs) It sounds frivolous, right? But for the average person, you have to wonder how in the world do you announce to everybody that after 17 or 18 years of being best friends, suddenly you're dating?
5: How do you let the world know that? So we decided to keep it quiet as long as we could just to give ourselves some time to figure it out if it was going to work. Like I think the last thing we both wanted was to let everyone know and then two weeks in be like, oh, actually we should just have stayed friends. So we decided to keep it as quiet as possible. We told our housemates who were friends from Benalla. um, We kept it quiet from his family because they love to talk. I told my mum and we got about two weeks in and we went to a grand final um, party in, with our friend's house in Shepherd and all our friends were there. and He drunkenly slept in my swag, which isn't that big of a deal. And it actually didn't shock that many people um, of our friends. They were like, Oh, yeah, all right. Like, that's kind of that happens. <laughs> like, you know, they're, 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 they're Chloe and Pat. Um, but one of my friends saw that night, saw him touch my leg under a table. And that's what just spun it off and I was like shh be quiet like don't tell anyone and we thought we'd kind of gotten away with it and only one person had found out out of our whole friendship group so like we did so well like yeah we've got another week you know kind of by ourselves to fit you know to just enjoy each other's company and then I get this message from my friend who said just letting you know, all the parents, all the teachers at the high school are talking about how you and Pat are together now. Is this true? And this is one of my really good friends. And I was like, Oh my God, like, how do you know? And she was like, my mum told me. And I was like, Oh shit. Pat's mum had just completely spilled the beans and told all the teachers and all our friends have teachers as parents, because that's what you do when you're in a country town. All of our friends have teachers as parents. So all our friends found out through their parents, which is not how I would like it to have been, but that's how it happened. So I just sent like a message to my closest girlfriends, who most of them knew anyway, just letting them know. But in terms of social media and um, letting it out there, we just put a – I think we probably two months in put a photo up on Instagram with a caption – I think that the Capture was like 18 years in the making and everyone just went crazy, Like especially like the people we went to school with who were in like the years above and below and from our like sporting teams and things like that because everyone's quite invested in it because it is such a, we're such a small community um, and such a small school. And then when we, we were at Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve is massive in country towns. You all go home to the pub and you see everyone because everyone moves away from the country town. We walked in the door, I remember, on Christmas Eve and... All these people we'd gone to school with who were like three years younger than us, two years older than us, just were like, holy shit, I can't believe it. And we're like hugging us and jumping up and down. Um, So that was pretty surreal. So that's really, like that part was really exciting.
0: That was six months ago. Today, Chloe and Pat live together,
5: love each other and are planning for whatever comes next. So what I love about Pat is that he is my best friend. And I know that sounds ridiculous but you know we've known each other for so long and he's seen me grow up and all the he's been there for the most important times in my life and vice versa like I've been there for the most important times of his life so I, I know him inside out he knows me inside out I know his family inside out and he knows my family inside out so what I love is that there's just this mutual understanding of who we are as people and so whenever you know he wants to do something or I want to do something a bit different there's no question as to why because we know our paths if that makes sense I love that we know each other and I love that he um, supports me unconditionally
2: Love Etc. is a production from Shameless Media. You can sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic
1: relationships. We will see you guys next Friday.